The Penumbra Podcast is very pleased to announce our super new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is an incredible mobile game, a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. As we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary, and you know what that means. Free stuff just for signing up for our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date so don't miss out we've received a unique promo code for every new user so please follow our link in the description and use promo code maxpool that's promo code m-a-x-p-o-o-l once again thank you so much to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, travelers, and happy Valentine's Day. It's an episode off week, but we wanted to show our love and appreciation for you with a bonus commentary that is typically only available for Patreon supporters at the $10 level or higher. This one is the commentary for Season 4 episode, Juno Steel and the Blank Slate Part 2, and it features me, Kevin, Alexandra Stravinsky, voice of Jet Sekuliak, Chloe Cunha, voice of Vespa Ilke, and Joshua Elon, voice of Juno Steel. It's also very silly, as many of our commentaries are, so I hope you enjoy. If you would like access to more content like this, I encourage you to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thepenumbrapodcast. Our little show is surprisingly expensive to produce, and we'd never be able to keep it running without our Patreon supporters, so please consider taking a look. Enjoy the commentary. Hi. <laughs> You gotta give me a sec. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> Good. Okay, Chloe, go ahead. Evening, <laughs> Joshua. Hey. No one will let Kevin do his intro. No, you know what? You know what? That is the intro. Good evening, travelers. And now you see what I have to deal with. Hi, I'm Kevin. I wrote this thing. You all figure your introductions out. I'm Harley. I'm Chloe. I'm Alexander. I'm Joshua. I did not write this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. He will not take the blame (laughs) for this. All blame falls squarely on my shoulders. Uh, But today we're going to talk about what blame falls on your shoulders. This started off way more hostile than I meant to. All I meant (laughs) is I'm going to ask you questions about you, which is sort of the commentary format. Uh, How are you all doing today? Good. Pretty well. Good. Toasty. We just recorded a good chunk of an emotionally trying episode. Yes. Um, but it ends well. So that's a nice that's a nice turn. It does end well. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes. If, you, if you're listen listening to, this. to the commentary before the episode. 
Badass. Don't come <laughs> crying to I me like when you're spoiled for the I episode. like that, though. I, if you're listening to the commentary before the episode, you're a renegade. Yeah, it shows a sense <laughs> of A maverick, a real, real hot gun. <laughs> so, something that I noticed while I was writing this thing. Uh, how's that for a segue? Something that I uh, just don't do one. Uh, how Something I noticed <laughs> when I was writing this thing was... Um, how for like so many of the characters that we have in this, we've had a massive amount of just change between their first incarnation and now. Um, and it's not just because in part one, they're all struggling. We talked about that a little bit on the part one commentary. Um, but like, if you think back to the first time that we ever met Vespa, the first time that we ever met jet back when he was jacket, uh, mm-hmm. And of, of course, the first time we ever met Juno, although that is that that's sort of its own in case. But I'd like to talk about past. that mm. many, many thousands of years ago. Back in um, J12. Back oh, my in God. J- stop. How dare you? Jesus. Um, <laughs> a lot has changed, which is good. It means that we're doing the right thing. Uh, but I wanted to know what that how has that felt for you all? Have there been moments when sort of the character has grown all at once? for you when you've noticed really big jumps or has it felt really gradual for each of you? Um, Chloe, you're the only one with your camera on and uh, classroom teacher rules say that means I have to pick on you. Sure. I love it. Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, this might seem like a kind of an obvious answer, but um, certainly uh, shadows on the ship, Um, Mm. you know, just you learn a lot about, um, Vespa in that episode and so I did as well um, but yeah but I mean I, I don't know I'd say it's a mixture of the two right I mean it's uh, you I also um, the wedding vows this is something that sticks out to me that was like a big oh. uh, big monologue yeah I think you learn a lot of uh, you know a kind of vulnerability that Vespa doesn't always uh, portray Um I don't know. Well, it's interesting because I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I learned so much as I felt. Um, I don't know if learning is, a, you know, I just, it felt like, um, you know, uh, an addition, even even more of a dimension. Right. Because I think when the characters are when Vespa and Buddy are first introduced, it, there's a, sort of the the uh, the romance angle very strongly. And um, and that comes back very powerfully in the wedding vows obviously it's not very profound what i'm saying but <laughs> um but uh yeah so it's nice to get back to that um that you know this central romance um and uh, otherwise yeah I, I don't know i think it's all in little bits i mean for example the the evolution with juno i think is sort of a gradual thing um the evolution of their relationship with each other i mean um mm-hmm. i don't know if i can think of a, a particular moment between the two of them that shifts the dynamic off the top of my head but it's definitely something you notice i think um yeah so that's that's an example of a more gradual shift Mm -hmm. Um, that's been one of the great joys for me of writing vespa i mean i'll i'll say now that when when we first started with our project with the Orinkos when we were setting out on season three Vespa was the one that I felt I knew the least about by mm-hmm. quite a lot um yeah. and so I've been like in in this episode in the last couple partially because 
we're kind of veering into medical drama a little bit. Mm. Um, she really takes charge. And like, uh, I, I did not expect how much fun I was going to have writing her. Um, yeah, it's fun to it's fun to kind of like showcase her expertise a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though um, I I can't help but stumble every single time I say neo methamphetamine. <laughs> so, it's a lot of syllables. It's a lot of syllables. It's a very long word. <laughs> I'm like the real Vespa would not have as much trouble saying this word. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, with the real, you know, because there's a real Vespa out there. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but actually, I, I think, uh, well, the other thing is, like, th- there's a bit of discovering the character, and then there's maybe a bit of me putting myself in the character as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I am a kind of a, a silly person. And I think one of the, it's one of the things that I, I really enjoy is when Vespa gets to be kind of funny. <laughs> Not always mm-hmm. um, funny sometimes, like, from an outside perspective, you know, like, she doesn't realize she's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I enjoy that, for example. And I'm, I wonder, I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe there'd be less of that if, if, uh, if <laughs> she didn't have such a goofy voice actor. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. I think yeah. you're probably right, yeah. Oh, absolutely uh alexander what about you how how has the transformation of jet over low these many seasons felt oh uh it's felt uh almost at, at times it felt like hurry up and wait almost uh in, in a good mm. way because obviously with a character like jet uh where you have the addiction angle both former president recovering relapse what have you uh as well as the extreme extreme self-control uh, it becomes a matter of, uh, you know, I'm sure when writing it, you could do it as, uh, oh, you know, he's sort of, each episode he has maybe a, a fun thing with uh, Juno, and maybe, oh, he told a joke there or whatever. But with a character like that, who's dealt with what he's dealt with, a lot of the times it's like it has to be a big thing. So, oh, this thing that happened with Intendra, all these drugs, all this other stuff, he just saw an alien who he thought was his best friend, who was also a car. Uh, all that ends he up He does have playing. a lot going on now that you yeah. say that. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> there's, you know, I mean, you've, you've both uh, heard it when I asked for a bit of direction, where I'm just like, is this classic Jet, or is this like, is this like you know, more more relaxed Jet, or is it whatever? Because, you know, there's times where in a script, it's like, oh, that doesn't, that's, it doesn't sound like old Jet, but at the same time, Jet doesn't have a reason to not be controlled Jet. So mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot of it uh, from an acting perspective is working that out, but yeah, I can I can definitely see um, just from like the big thing with Intendra. Obviously, there's a huge change with that. Right now, he's going through a lot, so <laughs> there's there's a combination of I'm in control, but at the same time the walls are broken down, but at the same time they're still there, kind of. It's just there's big holes in them right now, so I got to patch them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that intimacy that he has to have with Juno, and all that business, mm-hmm. and his his family. Something that I think that you all are fantastic at, which is one of my favorite things to to write, but it's also a massive challenge, is the moment when you take a character from um, not really a flanderized version of themselves, from very broad strokes and kind of funny, and then there uh, the trap door opens up and you see that there is a lot of depth underneath there. Um, and I think you all are very, very good at both presenting the very broad strokes persona that like really dominates and then opening the trap door um and uh it's it's been awesome to watch i've really really loved uh writing and adapting these characters uh to you all over the 
dear God, years. Yeah, Yay. yeah I, I would say that is uh, definitely that, that does speak to the uh, the I guess quality of the the writing and the creation of the characters because oh. they are multifaceted when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, and that really does help with characterization, obviously. Because uh, Juno is Juno. He's obviously got all this stuff. He's the narrator. We know what's going on there. But uh, it was like what you were talking about earlier with Vespa's expertise, mm-hmm. uh, for example, and mm-hmm. the fact that uh, we, we have a comedian as the voice actor uh, that adds extra layers no matter what. Um, it, it could very easily be like, oh, she's just angry and bitey and all that stuff. But then it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, hang on. She's doing something that's useful. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, a lot of stuff that you can just dive into and open up if you need. Mm-hmm. Um, Joshua, I'm curious about your answer for this one, because obviously in your case, it's a slightly different question, uh, because it's over a much broader span of time. Uh, have, has, has finding Juno to where he is now, right? Because he's doing, he's doing better, it seems like. It seems like he's having a better yeah, time. definitely. Um, has frankly it, thriving in the <laughs> scope of Juno. Yeah, um, yeah he's on top. Ha, how how is it? How is it? Has it felt gradual? Have there been like big transformative moments for you? I think. Um, I mean, not. I, I feel like this is a thing that we've kind of talked about a lot, but I, I mm-hmm. just based on what a bunch of other people have said so far, um, the thing that I'm thinking about right now is how well the Tao Te Ching says. Uh, that being creates not being. So for some reason, that's the way that I'm jumping into the topic that I'm saying. So like, uh, <laughs> Juno opened up as a, as a noir PI, right? So we, we mm-hmm. knew exactly what he was going to do. We knew exactly what he was going to give us. So his, his feelings didn't actually hit us that hard because mm-hmm. they are from a, a, a certain book. And, and the world around him being the way that it was didn't really affect us. You know, this is a world of crime and death and bad guys. And, and none of that is... Uh, is a surprise. None of that actually affects us emotionally. But as he became more cartoony, it added a lot more depth. And by showing us the fact that this whole time that guy could have been cartoony uh, Mm. and wasn't, um, that added a great deal of depth to the character. Um, And I think that certainly changed the way that I walk into it. Um, But it's... it, it. much more than that changed the way that I hear it. You know, there's there's definitely two two penumbras for me. There's the one that we're doing right now and the one that I'm going to listen to later. And mm-hmm. I, I'm aware very much of of that change in the one that I listen to. The fact that, you know, having listened to it a couple times now, that as Juno uh, becomes more of a cartoon, the times that he is a depressed P.I. in a noir story are actually depressing. Uh, instead of just being the thing <laughs> that you're getting, the, the times mm-hmm. that he is. And, you know, since we have that noir thing to look at, since that's the the canvas through which we are seeing Juno first, the times that he is having a nice time and the times that he is being a cartoon also are are very notable because this is a this is Dick Tracy getting hit in the face with a water balloon, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I That's my that's where I'm at with that answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I still remember very. Maybe at the very, very beginning when we talked about the Batman to Groucho Mark spectrum for oh, Juno's yeah. voice. Um, and it feels as though he's kind of grown towards a secret third option where neither of those completely fits anymore. Um, in, it's, in, it's Mo from the Three Stooges now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, Harley. Yeah. Uh, oops, you're not. 
uh, you're not immune to this question either because <laughs> you've also been around since episode Ooh. one. Yeah, that's true. Big, big transformation for Sasha, especially in this episode when we finally find out some of what's been going on with her. Yeah, I'm happy with what we figured out about her because I I think you and I knew a direction that she was going in but had trouble figuring out the specifics of it and I think felt a lot more settled once we decided to really try to treat her like Juno's foil Yeah. in this way. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was, um, gosh, which episode is it? The one where they go to her secret base to break. Rita. Right, that was this season. That was Stone Unturned. Oh yes, because that's also the slip episode. Yep, yep. Um, so we kind of she's not there, but we're learning about what's been going on with her, and we find out that she's been erasing herself. And in this episode, we get the payoff of why mm-hmm. she did that and what her point was. Um, and it's kind of interesting watching her, like, unhinge, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and having, having taken on this impossible job only to, to discover that it is in fact impossible. And there are, I mean, there are parts of what she has going on that I, that I get, um, and I, I think that's important to me and to us in writing a villain anyway that you Mm -hmm. don't want it to be totally unrelatable um and she has this idea that progress is kind of the bane of humanity that Mm -hmm. maybe things would be okay if we could just stop movement from happening that all bad things have happened because people just wouldn't sit down Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which I think is interesting and like a tough thing to grapple with. And it's interesting because I don't think that Juno really needs to say, that's not true. Here's the answer. Actually, I've solved it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically what he says is, well, I did the line that you wrote that I really loved, which was I did my best and it was better than nothing. Mm. And I'm very happy with that as his smaller response to an impossibly big problem that Sasha's downfall is trying to tackle on an impossibly big scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll let you all in on a secret, which I may have said before, <laughs> uh, which is that I hate playing her. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, that, that has, it's it's not because I think she's a bad character. It's just for, you know, personal reasons because we wrote her for me when I was a girl. Yeah. And she was so written for that version of me. And that's not who I am anymore. And it makes me incredibly uncomfortable mm-hmm. to inhabit that again because her femininity is for me tied to so many other of her negative attributes. I'm not saying that this is how women are. I'm saying this is how I was as a female. And, um, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable going back to that. Um, Mm. so I, I don't like it. I don't like playing her. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah i mean uh, we're we're very comfortably at the end of this arc now yeah uh so and that's and I'm been glad a, to put that down it's been a running thing with you that uh we don't it, i don't actually don't know how clear this is to the audience but the the thing that happens in a lot of seasons where harley takagi kaner becomes the big bad is not intentional it happened once right <laughs> no it's happened a few times <laughs> it happened twice in season two Dun, dun, dun. Because we had the we had the piranha who right. was just supposed to be a bit villain What's until I one? until I well, the other one's the Thea. Oh yeah, that's a good right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right. Yeah, neither of those were intentional, but it's true. Right. And and when when we came up with Sasha, she was not ever going to be the villain. And no. examine that. <laughs> that's easy. Mm. I mean, I think of myself yes. as a villain. That's easy to do. <laughs> Got my little um, notepad. I'm writing down That's a slow ball. <laughs> but it, it just kept on being the case that like we had set something up sort of by accident that was exactly what we were looking for. Um, and each of those things that we had set up were characters that you voiced <laughs> just by complete coincidence. Yeah. Um, Gotta get rid of them. <laughs> just get them all out of here. Yeah. Um, can I can I ask a thing that I'm curious about? Would you want to yeah. Would you want to play like a a not villainous character? <laughs> would I? Yeah, I, that could be a fun change of pace on this show or yeah, in general. Why not? No, I would not no. like to play a character on this show. No, no, the new hero, Barley Takagi Banner. No, I I don't like it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I I used to like it, um, and now I do not like it in part because I can't direct myself. Yeah, so it, I I just feel like I'm turning in a subpar yeah. performance as compared to the people who can be directed, and and also just because mm. I think the other actors are better than I am, so I don't really like to do it. I'm like oh. I'm pretty I'm pretty done with that. <laughs> That's fair. Well, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen. I don't even think we have any other voices to uh, for to take a villain turn for you to take over so i think i think you you oh, may be able <laughs> I, I think we may be able to comfortably call this your retirement Woo! Yay! <laughs> um so the other thing that i wanted to uh, talk about with the whole group uh since especially because a lot of the recording we did today was about group dynamics we are yeah. in a new recording setting yay yeah. mm-hmm. today uh, we are all online, and first off, Harley, do you want to talk about what online recording has looked like before this as a comparison uh, point? I've mentioned it before. We historically have just done it via Zoom, and so we would have group rehearsals and then individual recordings. That's what we mm-hmm. started doing in the pandemic. Um, as we get toward the end of both of these seasons, it's become harder and harder to get back to the studio, even though we do still have access to the studio, mm-hmm. because... We have a tight timeline. A lot of people have moved, um, and like it, and the recording studio's schedule is itself what it is. And so we have to move more and more of it online, even though we theoretically could do it in person. So we're using a new platform where we can all be online at the same time, which has pros and cons. Pros because it takes less long to do a given scene. I don't have to do it individually with each actor. Cons because um, it's it's much harder to juggle the logistics and the audio portion of it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, hopefully, it sounds like the the real benefits come in the the sound design portion of the events. 
Well, not the sound design. It's really the directing. Like it's yeah, it's, it's, it's mm. nice helpful to, to, to direct everyone to... at once and to be able to, for the actors to be able to actually act opposite each other. Yeah, mm. I like that. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real benefit. That's yeah, important. Yeah. It's definitely better. And that's something that's been important to us for a long time because, and this is not knocking how other people do their stuff. It's just a matter of kind of individual creative style. But -hmm. I know that a lot of other uh, shows that are put together similarly to ours will have all the actors record completely solo. That's certainly Uh how animation animators do it. Right. Right. Uh, If it's ADR. Yeah. Usually. Um, I and I don't know. And it's, yeah. I think Harley, it's been really important to you from very early on to get as much like, well, to bring in as much as you can from the stage, which I know is. Yeah. 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 Um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, um, was the, the gambit that, uh, seals things at the end of this episode, the Orinko's big gambit. Uh, and th- this one I just wanted to talk about because it's really fun to do a long setup. Um, and this was a very, very, very long setup yeah. uh, f- for faking the uh, faking the Cure Mother Prime at the very end of this episode, right? Mm. Um, how long have we been setting that up, Harley? Um, like at least since the end of season three. Yeah, I think since the end of season three. Um. I might not have anything more interesting to say about it. It's just, <laughs> Did you just want to brag about it? <laughs> no, I didn't okay, even so... want to. I didn't even want to brag about it. Part, part of it is that there is like, there. I guess I wanted to mark it because there is a joy and there is a terror in doing things like that, um, mm. and it is always so relieving when we get to parts like that in like a rehearsal and people aren't looking at me like I have three heads, right? Like it. It appears to make sense to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I might not have anything more interesting to say about it. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to hear it. I was actually, before you said it, I was going to be like, oh, yeah. Hey, did you plan? Like, how long have you had that plan? Was it plan? Yeah, was I was curious about that. Have you thought that since the, the beginning of, of destroying the Cure Mother? Yeah, I think we've had that idea since then. Isn't that right, Harley? Yes, I think we did. And that's why it was very specifically set up so that... Ex- it exploded onto Juno so that it would be on his clothes still and uh, could be scooped uh, off. Yeah. So, so, has, uh, so has someone put a car inside the Ruby 7 and that's how she knows how to be a car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, little toy car. Okay, be a car. Uh, that's be, a Be adorable. a car. Oh. Wait, so here's... I have so many questions, but um, does the Ruby 7 like being a car? Like, is that... It seems to. Yeah, cause I think I, so. Because it could yeah. f- make any form. So yeah, it's, it... it's car identifying. <laughs> yeah. I think the more I important question is, what color is the Ruby 7 when it's not a car? Oh, is yeah. It still green? Oh. Is it still green? I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> that is a really good question, can I, Alexander. Can I say I something red. that might sound totally bonkers? But, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else's <laughs> picture of the Ruby 7 is not as a car. But for me, the total, I don't know why I can't shake the image, is uh, have you all seen Annihilation? 
You know I've read what? the book. I've I haven't seen, seen the movie. You know, at the end, well, okay, spoilers, I guess. But there's two Natalie Portmans. It's a whole thing. And um, <laughs> Natalie Portman in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Natalie Portman. And, and the and the there's like this alien creature that's like mimicking her forms. And I, mm-hmm. I that's what I pictured. But if nobody else has seen that movie, then that's oh, just look it up. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. There's like they do like things. this whole like choreographed thing where they're like. I, I would like to see oh, a Oh, is it this thing that looks like smog, or is it the, the metallic-looking thing? It's metallic-looking. That's was my picture. I was imagining something right. sort of like that, like sort of an alien-y kind of looking thing. Yeah. I, in my head, I'm sort of imagining the, oh, cool. the blue chow-y things from like Sonic Adventure 2, if you know what I'm talking oh about. Oh my god, David that's Byrne. so funny. Yeah, <laughs> like ones who have stretchy arms. <laughs> Um, uh, in terms of color, it turns out the script does say, I thought I ended up writing ooh. that down, it's described as sleek molten silver. Yeah, well, okay, we're so thinking that's, of the, that's probably why. Uh, that's the, why the I, T-1000. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I've never read any one of your scripts. I'm caught. I'm caught <laughs> so that's probably why I thought of the silver metallic, because I'm sure I read that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it. the word. Um, no, but yeah. Har- Harley's I, Harley's got it on the nose. We we like we often are. We're thinking about the T one. Oh, we're always <laughs> okay. thinking. We're thinking and thinking about it. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I guess I'm just thinking of Natalie Portman. <laughs> 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 um, I well I just, I thinking of say... nat- multiple multiple <laughs> Natalie, Natalie Portman. <laughs> so tra- so travelers, sound off in the comments. Are you thinking about the T one thousand or, or are you thinking Portman? about Natalie Portman? Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Well, can I just say briefly, I think it's uh, it's such a nice, because I mean, when the Cure Mother Prime does explode, it's really depressing. <laughs> it's so yeah. awful. <laughs> and so the fact that some of it remains and that, you know. Vespa some got could, something out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and not just Vespa, a lot of people, right? I yeah. think it's true that uh, in terms of like changing, in terms of like world building or whatever, had the Cure Mother Prime been fully released, that would have been almost maybe too big of a story to really yeah. <laughs> actually been tackle. A radical. Right? Because <laughs> that is, because that really does fundamentally yes. change. Well, Sasha's like, right from a storytelling perspective. Right. right? It's like, we can't. Like, where we do you want to go? I mean, that's just, there's just that, the right. implications are so much that it's a little bit of a, a, a Yeah, I'm not smart around. enough to do that story. <laughs> Your mother's crime is a game breaker. Can't allow it. it right. Yeah. At that point, the mm-hmm. whole story becomes about the Cure Mother Prime and it, because yes. like, what else? I mean, yes. you know, it's just, mm-hmm. But I I think that uh, being able to have some benefit from it is a really nice, it's great because it it does, that part before is so hopeless and to have some benefit from some, you know, that's just, I don't know, that's just a nice ending. I liked it. It was a a nice surprise. Harley, Harley, you can correct me if you disagree, but I think very often the overarching over the, over seasons vibe that we're often going for is sort of grim but hopeful yeah which i think yeah, is what that is i think so i think also this is an example of something i was just talking about maybe it was in the last commentary that we did i don't remember but um but uh about this idea of storytelling where i feel like sometimes it's looking for the correct answer even though that sounds mm. crazy yeah and so in this case, it was like, well, okay, it can't get exactly as Chloe says. It can't be fully released out into the world. This can't just have a perfectly happy ending because that's way too big and we just simply can't do it. So that's not the right answer. But the right answer is also not, well, it gets blown up and that's that. Because then what was the point yeah. of everything that we went that through to get it fetal. in all of season three? Yeah. So that's not the right answer. So that means that the answer must be 
okay, some portion of, of it is preserved. We, 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 the Orenkos and we, the audience gain something from everything that we went through, yeah. even if it wasn't everything that we had hoped. Otherwise, and, I think it would have been very unsatisfying. Yes, you know? it would have been. It would have been. Yeah, and I think I think another thing that factors into that for me, right, is even though we're writing sci-fi, we're writing fantasy, we're writing impossible things, like the the emotional impact of the problems and the solutions needs to be relatable. And I think something swooping in and solving all problems forever, as depressing as it is, is just not relatable. It's not yeah. a thing that an audience can latch onto. Um, and that I can't latch on to. And if I if I can't care about the story, then the story's not going to get written. <laughs> it so reminds me of the Monty Python bit uh, that is an America where everybody is a Superman. So <laughs> the biggest Ooh. superhero is the guy who can fix a bicycle. Bicycle repairman! <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Right. Oh, my uh, God. You need to adjust That's your fun. stakes to universal power. Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. That. Also, is the doggy dreaming? Um, yeah, just, she is. Okay. <laughs> I wanted everyone to see. Yeah. She's I, running in her <laughs> I was a little distracted. I could see the little paws moving. Yeah. Well, what you can't see is that her eyes are like demonically rolling in her head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Secret oh, pint slice commentary that. appearance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry that I couldn't show her to uh, everyone listening. Gotta imagine it. All right. I think, I think that that does it for us yeah. so thank you all for joining me here today mm-hmm. um and thank you travelers for joining us and don't forget to sound off in the comments about if you're thinking about the t1000 <laughs> natalie portman or pint slice sleeping peacefully on a <laughs> i would really i would love to know um thanks are there everybody. comments to sound off in yeah there are comments oh. on patreon well, you know. started the whole sound off in the comments i wish bit. i could see i did comments. invent that phrase well, you started doing it in commentaries. Is there a way for us to see the comments or no? Probably not, right? I started uh, doing it in the comments because I thought there were not comments. I oh, <laughs> there were comments and people did it. Amazing. Wow. Oh. Yeah, you got what you wanted. You didn't even know. Uh, you'd have to get into the Patreon, but we can like screenshot them and send them to you. Yeah, I was just curious. I don't know. It's okay. I just Thanks, everybody. Nice. We will Bye. see you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.